The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 161. All of this is new to you and new can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment when you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Ta-da! Ooh. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who, and today we're discussing the latest episode from the was it 12th series? No, I can never keep track. 12th series, 13th yes. Doctor. <laughs> it's called Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well. Folks, if you're not uh, subscribed to the show, you should be. And if you do, if you should, go to subs- uh, subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can go to the the SQPN YouTube channel, subscribe there. You can even listen on your Amazon Echo device and just say uh, Echo and whatever the wake word is, because I don't want to wake mine up. Uh, Echo, play Secrets of Doctor Who podcast, and it will play it. So uh, wherever podcasts are found, you'll find us. All right, so we're talking about this new episode, the Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, and uh, the Doctor and Companions, the fam, they are in ni- the around 1900 after 1902 for reasons yep. that we'll get into, uh, and they are uh, encounter the famous inventor Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison and some aliens and hilarity ensues and lots of running. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a that's a brief uh, summary. We'll get into it. What do you guys that's think? The elevator of the- pitch. <laughs> yes, yep. yes, the 30 second elevator pitch. What do you guys think of this episode? Uh, Father Corey, what what's your your top level impression of it? All I can say is this has been a roller coaster season so far. We started out high. We had the episode which shall not be named, and then we <laughs> had this one again, which I, I enjoyed this one. This is this is more classic Doctor Who again. Like you said, running in aliens, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> All right, Jimmy, how about you? Um, similar. Uh, one of the, I watched some of the reviews, uh, you know, the instant reviews on YouTube after the episode aired, and one of the commentators said, "Well, I'm going to address the big question first. Yes, this episode is better than Orphan 55." And <laughs> low bar. And I, I thought the same. I it, thought this is a pretty lightweight episode. It is not great, but to quote the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mostly harmless. Mostly harmless. It was. Yeah. It was. It was. It was basic fun at kind of a low level i'd give it a four or a five out of ten i didn't not enjoy it but it didn't wow me either yeah so for me i i would have put skyfall at about an eight out of ten mm-hmm. i would put uh, orphan 55 at a generous two or three uh this one i would have put around a six or seven uh, i mm-hmm. uh fair it was good uh much better um had could have been could have been more but we'll get into that uh some things i wish it, it would have done but uh, let's let's talk about the episode itself, though. Uh, so Nikola Tesla is a real historical figure. Um, do you, uh, Jimmy, I know you know who right? Nikola oh. Tesla was. Father Corey, you knew who t- Nikola Tesla was before the yes. episode aired, right? Uh, oh, yeah. A little bit. I didn't know a lot about his, his history, but I knew who he was and some of the inventions he had done. 
Okay. So I, I guess I felt like people knew who Tesla was, but I guess they, they a lot of people don't. But that's, but that's a new thing, though. That's that's the funny part is, you know, he he was a big name at the time. I mean, him and Edison were battling it out and were well known for their battles. But he after he died and even before he died, I mean, because, you know, he had basically died penniless, as the show mentioned, mm-hmm. he kind of faded from history. Um, you know, one thing the Wikipedia entry about him talk, talks about is that in, I think, 1960, there's a uh, the International Standards Institute or IEEE or one of those named a, a measure for him. But other than right. that, he really wasn't known in popular culture until about the 90s again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Some then, of course, part. you know, the Tesla car company was invented by Elon Musk. Yeah. And that brought him more into popularity again. As someone who deals with mysteries on Mysterious World and who's just been interested in them for years, I've been very aware of Nikola Tesla. And yes, Mysterious World fans, we will be doing Nikola <laughs> Tesla in the future um, because he's credited with all these inventions. He had other inventions he was working on that didn't pan out for one reason or another, like the the tower in this episode, mm-hmm. which was basically planetary radio Wi-Fi. That's what that was planned to be. Um, and then he, when he died, he died in 1943 at the age of 86 in an apartment building where he was living and he was penniless. And there are these claims that like the government or someone came and mysteriously took all of his papers and they're suppressing all of this secret Nikola Tesla Mm. knowledge and stuff that, that, that they've never let out and stuff. And so that's one of the claims that's out there. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been aware of Tesla. I've also, you know, everyone is aware to an extent of Edison. Um, mm-hmm. what a lot of people are not aware of is something they do touch on in this episode. And I was glad they touched on it cause it's nice to see this, you know, it was the, it, it was the battle between AC and DC current, right. what's yep. known as the war of the currents, which was a real thing back at this yeah. time. Um, Edison f- was a fan of direct current or DC current. And Tesla was a fan of alternating current or AC current. Yep. And th- and ultimately, AC current won. AC current is what powers your house. It is much more um, efficient for yep. commercial use than DC power is. And so Edison lost that one. But uh, this was a big battle and partially through proxies. The right. the two would have uh, there were these different factions of AC power companies and DC power companies. And I'm kind of glad they kept it at the level they did and didn't mm-hmm. go into some of the details, because one of the things that would happen, you know, they the DC current fans in this episode are like AC current is dangerous and, and these people have been killed and stuff and. Actually, to demonstrate the deleterious effects of AC current back in the day, they would publicly electrocute dogs and mm. and and see, see how dangerous AC current is. It just killed this dog. And sometimes they didn't know the right dosage to kill the dog, the right voltage, and they'd have Ooh. to re- try it repeatedly. <laughs> and well, in the most extreme yeah. case, there was an elephant named right. Topsy that uh, the zoo that owned her could not get rid of her, and so they dis- they couldn't find anyone who would take her. And so they decided to electrocute Topsy, the elephant, to show just how dangerous ouch, AC current ouch, is. Ouch. It'll even electrocute an elephant if you pump enough into it. Yeah, we, I'm glad they didn't well, show that. There was a well, 2017 you know, movie, by the way, about called The Current War, 
which was a Benedict mm. Cumberbatch as uh, Edison, I think, and Nicholas oh. Holt as uh, Tesla. But it was mostly about Edison versus Westinghouse, which is a, a name right, Americans right. probably Cause, know. Yeah, because Tesla basically signed his patents over to Westinghouse yep. for AC current. And of course, you know, living out here in the rural areas, I'm really glad we went to AC current because it's much more efficient for long distance transmission than DC right. is. There DC is a reason to keep AC boosters won. and things <laughs> yeah. like that. Hmm? Right, right. Uh, but uh, of course, you know, the funny part is your computer is DC current inside of it. Yes. You know, that little box you plug into the wall takes AC and turns it into DC. So we right. still use DC, but just not for long distance transmission, which is what right. Edison and Tesla were trying to get. And if if we had used DC current for housing, we'd have to have like a power plant on every block generating power. Yep. Right. Exactly. Right. And rural places, basically, you would just have to set up, you know, generators at like at every farm. Right. Right. So uh, the, the, to move to the. Can, can, can the listener tell we're geeks? <laughs> yes, I yes. know. We're yes, kind we of geeky about it. Well, we got uh, some issues. I, I'm, I'm a train geek, too. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the train scene. But <laughs> <laughs> OK, uh, last thing is uh, younger Internet geeks may remember that uh, the, the Internet comic, The Oatmeal uh, uh, by. Oh, now I forget his name. Uh, the the guy who does this really uh, popular webcomic, yep. he bought uh, Warden Cliff a few years ago uh, th- through a, uh, a crowdsource fundraiser on Indiegogo. He raised over a million dollars to buy the property to buy that land, and he's turning it into a Tesla museum. So uh, that's oh, wow. kind of kind of cool. So uh, even I, though the building itself is gone because it was torn down about uh, 10, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Right. Or at least the uh, tower is. But this was 2013, so I'm not sure where, you know, how it's progressed or whatever. So I, I'd like I should have uh, done some more re- research on on where they are with this. But uh, this was a while ago. So but let's talk about the, the this show, Nicholas Tesla's Night of Terror. Um, I have to point out that the the actor who played mm-hmm. Tesla looks remarkably like the real Nikola Tesla. Well, they did a really good job making him look well, like that. Well, they, they did even better because the actor is Croatian-American, oh, which wow. is what Tesla was. Tesla was from Croatia. Yeah. And uh, so they found an actor who Goran Viznik. almost yeah. perfect. Yeah. What else has he been in? I, th- I recognize the name. I don't recognize. Oh, he was on ER. Right, 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 right. Yeah. right. Goran Viznik. Um, and he's been in a few other things, um, including a letter, which we won't talk about. But uh, <laughs> which is a horrible movie. But the, uh, the yeah, he looked remarkably like him. So let's start with the beginning. They're at Niagara Falls at the uh, Niagara Generator, which was a real thing that Tesla yes. built uh, a generator at Niagara Falls. And he's got some uh, investors he's trying to, to pull in. And he's demonstrating various things. And he demonstrates a Tesla coil, which what we call a Tesla coil, the, the, this thing that generates uh, sparks through the air. And uh, talks about wireless electricity, and it all falls apart. It's going well until someone mentions this news article about him receiving an electrical signal from Mars, and they they mock him that's, for that. That's a real thing. Yes, he he did receive. People debate what exactly he heard. He may have overheard Marconi's tests at a distance, mm. but he did hear a signal that he thought came from outer space, and people, including him, speculated it might be from Mars. Interesting. And then, by the way, I, yeah. I like this is something I really like that they in it, oftentimes when Doctor Who goes to historical figures, they just kind of shoehorn them in to the story mm-hmm. like William Shakespeare or right. Charles Dickens. But Tesla works because his backstory yeah. with the signal from Mars becomes 
very important in this episode. And mm-hmm. then his skill set as an inventor becomes quite important in this episode. So um, they, I like the fact they're picking up on a real person with a real history that works with this show. And they're not yeah. just shoehorned into some weird alien scenario for no reason. Well, and another another thing we complain a lot about is where all these great ideas like Shakespeare come from the doctor or the companions. And in this case, everything they mentioned were things that Tesla had already been developing or thinking about before right. the doctor showed up. They don't give him you know, so, new ideas. No. So there's yeah. nothing where he could say, oh, Tesla had that idea because of the doctor. Right. No, he already had all these ideas and, before. And I don't I, as I, we, I as I commented recently in response to some feedback, I don't mind if the doctor gives the historical figure a few ideas. I just don't like it when that's all everything. that happens. Right. But we don't even have that issue in this episode at all. It's just like everything yeah. they mention is stuff like, oh, yeah, I was working on that or I've been working on that. I've been thinking about that. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I thought at some point that there were, it was going to be revealed that Tesla was an alien brought here no. that he, his knowledge was because he was an alien i'm glad they didn't do that actually i no. think it's better mm-hmm. that he's just a regular human being who was this mad genius this this you know this crazy inventor yeah, uh, it's a little a little too soon to say tesla was an alien <laughs> <laughs> so uh because it's always aliens uh so <laughs> that's from another show well uh, i mean yep. the tomorrow people had hitler was an alien but there was enough time there for yes. to say okay hitler was an alien so that's not your big reveal when you talk about Tesla and Mysterious World. That he was <laughs> no, no, he's, he was a demon. <laughs> Too soon. So, so, uh, so uh, someone is killed. A worker at the generator uh, that interrupts everything. And um, at first, you know, someone says he was electrocuted, but and Tesla says that's impossible. It can't be. My equipment wouldn't uh, electrocute him. And um, what is it that killed him? Do we do we assume it was the aliens in this episode that killed? Yeah, I think this it guy? was the aliens. Okay. So, and then we have uh, this, not only we have Tesla, but we have Miss Skerritt, uh, Dorothy Skerritt. Dorothy. Yep. Who mm-hmm. is his assistant, uh, who works with Tesla. Uh, and yeah. she's, uh, she was, she was, a, she's a real life person. Um, she was his secretary, one of two secretaries that he had. And, and did, she did like him. She, uh, she thought he was a good boss, even though, you know, he had a reputation for being kind of the absent-minded professor. Mm. She thought he was very kind, but uh, she didn't work for him in this time frame she started working she worked for for him from like 1912 to 1922 which is after this episode is set so they've relocated her in time it it's it's you know a consequence of the time war no doubt of course (laughs) yes we'll we'll say that uh so they find out that someone has stolen parts from the machinery from tesla's machines uh and while they're investigating that uh, tesla finds this green floating ball uh, obviously alien um, yeah, he should train with a lightsaber with that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a loud noise. They run. Someone is coming. The doctor jumps in. Um, one of the investors shoots at them. Was this Edison's guy? Now that I look back yeah. at this, this was Edison's yep. guy who had stolen parts for Edison. So this was separate from the aliens. Um, and then yep. so that so that one of the aliens shows he up. Gets shot by the aliens. Right. L- laser at that guy, killing him. And then shoots at the doctor and the others as well. Um, and then it's a real quick jump here to them on a train They where the fam is in, in yep. costume, um, period costume, whereas the doctor, by the way, isn't, which I thought was right. odd. Um, yeah, and that's something the doctor has multiply time, multiply in the past donned period costumes. Um, yeah. I mean, Tom Baker 
in uh, in towns in Wing, Wing Chiang got dressed up in 19th century dress and yeah. on um, Necros, the sixth doctor, Colin Baker, wore the traditional Necrosian blue morning robes and you know, uh, the doctor even just going to Scotland wore tartan. And so the yep. doctor historically has had no problem right. uh, wearing period costume. But for some reason, they didn't want to put Jodie Whittaker in a dress. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that I think that's actually uh, yeah what would have happened. It's interesting. She would have been what? dressed similar to Yaz. Yeah. yeah interesting. So they're, they're but And then they're on a train for some reason. Like they they don't show us how they get to the train. Um, you know, it is always on time. It's yeah. on time. The, the train is taken is just moving. It have you ever I'm thinking, do you, have you ever been on a train? You know they have to speed up to get up to speed, right? Especially those just, old especially the old school trains like that. Yeah, they don't just fly down the tracks from the moment you press the go button. Well, I mean I think what they were implying is is that there's this interim period where they run from the generator and run to the station and get on board the train as the train's leaving. And they don't show us any of that. They just kind of show right. them opening the door while the train, like you said, is already flying down the tracks. So a period of time has elapsed. It just, it was a bit abrupt. It was it, kind of it, weird, it, but yeah, it, it, they, it, it was too little. I, I thought somehow, you know, I shouldn't be expected to stop and rewind in order to get what's happening mm-hmm. in an episode. And I thought the train is like attached to the building that they were in, and they just ran from the building into the train, and it instantly yeah, started just, going I, I that wonder, fast. I wonder as if somewhere there was a, a they filmed a scene where they're running, like, and you see the depot ahead, and then all of a sudden they're on the train. Which yeah, that that's a classic TV trope, you know. That, cut that's for pretty time. classic, but yeah, probably cut for time. So well, they, then, like, I, how why, why is Nikola Tesla surprised that there is a train attached to his building? Didn't he know that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, immediately as a train geek, I kind of kind of laughed because, of course, the cut they, they show the train and it's a freight train. Right. It's a classic steam power, steam pulled freight train. And then they're on a passenger train. And maybe it's a mixed train, which they used to have where you'd have the freight at one end and passenger cars mm-hmm. at the back end. But or uh, vice versa. Where, mm-hmm. when, were they in a passenger car? They yeah, were in a freight car. Freight first. cars don't have doors between the cars. Oh, OK. So it's a passenger car mm, true. that was set up it as a freight. It might have been a baggage car that they were sitting in, oh, but it was still car. a passenger oh. car. Uh, I gotcha. Okay. All right. That's, that is a nice train geek detail. We'll, we'll take well, that. Another, another, <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just throw it in here just because I throw my train geek. Uh, they wouldn't have used that link pin to, you know, to that uh-huh. coupler the way they did. Yeah. They didn't have the, the, first of all, United States never had the buffer couplers like you see in Great Britain. They would have had the knuckle couplers at that time. Because by that time, all the railroads had switched over to the knuckle coupler like we see today. Right. So just just a couple of train geek notes in case anybody else actually happens to be a train geek that listens to this uh-huh. as well. Awesome. Well, we 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 support all geekdoms on this show. So that's thank you. Uh, so the doctor uh, introduces Yaz and uh, Ryan and Graham to Nikola Tesla. Yaz and Ryan don't recognize him as our designated millennials. Apparently, they're they're mm-hmm. unfamiliar with him. Apart from even Graham doesn't know much about him. Right. Right. He, and he I, kinda, I, like, the name. I like I like the fact that I liked how they played with this because people mm-hmm. today, most people don't really have any kind of clear idea of who Tesla was, if they even know. Right. And, and I liked seeing, you know, I it also I like it because it takes the edge off of the doctor's fanboyism. Right. You know, mm-hmm. the doctor, whenever the doctor meets a famous historical person, it's like, oh, this person is the best ever. I'm such a fan. And right. and that I find a little annoying 
frequently. And here I like it. It's like, why are you geeking out over this guy? Who is he? Yeah. Right. And then, and eventually they do they do make the connection. Oh, the Tesla car company, right? He invented that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That was named for him. No. <laughs> so yeah, the doctor does say she always wanted to meet uh, Tesla, but he's a big fat liar. And then we kind of leave it there for a second until mm-hmm. we, we have to come back to it, which I think is good. I think it creates this little bit of dramatic tension for a few minutes. Uh, the the hooded figure shows up to be uh, to, to attack again. Um, and with a Silurian gun. With a Silurian laser gun. And uh, she takes it from the attacker, but it turns out he also has red lightning in his hands. So that that's handy. Uh, see what I did there? Very, very Palpatine-y. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> now, Doctor, you will die. No, sorry. Yes. <laughs> so he lowers <laughs> his hood. the hood fits perfectly. <laughs> yeah. He lowers his hood, and the, uh, it turns out it's the dead uh, plant worker from the generator, uh, but now his eyes are glowing red. And uh, they escape from him again. They, like you said, he, they, they, they do the classic when you're on a train. You get rid of the bad guy by disconnecting the car from the rest of the train, which the engineer doesn't notice at all and doesn't stop the train. No, it, it does absolutely no emergency stop or anything like that of the air brakes, which yes, they would yes. have had at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then she explains to him, uh, "I called you a liar because you told me you hadn't seen anything weird because she'd asked him that before." And but she's detecting readings from the green ball, the floaty ball. Uh, uh, but he still refuses to say anything about it, which is interesting. Well, I was uh, kind of irritated. I was irritated by this accusation because he never. Si- Doctor asked, "Did you see anything else? Anything strange?" He doesn't answer. He didn't lie. He just never said anything. Oh, I didn't rec- realize yeah. that. Okay. Also, uh, um, the um, I mean, he's. They were just in a firefight. The doctor. They were both there for seeing weird stuff. Yeah. Um, and but I like how Miss Garrett takes Tesla's side on this, mm-hmm. even though it's pointed out that he's hiding something that could be dangerous. And she's she's she stands by him. And I thought that was neat. Uh, what they're doing is they're setting up and this becomes very explicit later in the episode. Um, they're setting up Tesla as a kind of parallel to the doctor as the right. genius outsider inventor figure. And mm-hmm. they're setting up Miss Scarrett as Tesla's companion equivalent. Mm, right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do make that. it ex- more explicit towards the end. But yeah, they right. are setting that up. So, so just like just like the fam would stick by the doctor, Miss Scarrett is going to stick by Tesla. Right. Uh, so we have a wide shot. New York City, yeah, the Statue of Liberty before it became a weeping angel. We uh, pretend yes. that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the doctor g- g- goes on about the Gilded Age New York. It's oh, it's the best ever. Oh, more wealth is created at this time more and more poor people than ever before. And um, no, that's no, not true. No, no. <laughs> more poor people in the past. The, the way the modern world gets started is capitalism starts lifting people out of poverty and global yes. poverty diminishes dramatically over the course of the 19th and 20th centuries. Right. Before the 19th and 20th centuries, people lived basically on the edge of starvation. All well, yeah. most people, 90 percent of people. Yep. Uh, there were one bad harvest away from mass die offs. By the 20th century, yes, there were poor people jammed into New York City and other big cities, but they were still not more of them than there were in the past. And, so. and more and more people were getting jobs at places like Edison's factory, yes, which paid good wages and helped them to have a, a stable life. 
I felt and annoyed. The, the reason yeah. the reason that citification happens in the first place, the reason that people move mm-hmm. to the cities, is because it is in their advantage to do so. Right. They have better lives and more economic opportunity in the city than they had back on the farm. That's why they came to the city. Right. Which is still, it's sadly, a, a condition today. There's still plenty more opportunities in the big cities than there are, say, like out here in middle of nowhere, Montana. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so one of the things that bothered me is, is like I felt like that line was thrown in there to sort of balance out the people getting rich, but they're still poor people. Like, I don't know. It just felt like yeah, uh, obligatory exactly preaching. It's, it's uninformed. It's like the, the writers trying to do Ferengi on Deep Space Nine. They mm-hmm. they they want to portray things a certain way, but they don't really know how economics works. And it's the same thing here. This is their virtue signaling. We got to do our oh, but we got to appease all the people in the audience who might think right. oh, but this was the age of robber barons, and so for right. the the rich have to get richer and the poor have to get poorer. So that hap- had to be happening here. So right. we got to throw in this line to pacify them. Yeah, it, if that's it, if that's the worst if that's the worst preaching they had in this episode, it's <laughs> still yeah, yeah, mild. Big deal. It, yeah, it's it's fine. It's 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 TV in the modern age. This is what we deal with. Uh, so we have uh, we encounter protesters, protesters against AC. We talked about that before the AC uh, D versus DC debates. Um, someone throws out an anti-immigrant slur against Tesla again, just thrown out there once and doesn't come back again. Uh, it, so that it seemed odd just to throw that in there. Um, Admittedly, that that would have been time appropriate. Sadly, yes, but. yes. The 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 whole anti Irish thing was big then too. Still, yeah, that was yeah anti Italians. So uh, we have a mention of the Tesla cars when they're in Tesla's lab, quote unquote, which is pretty bare. And uh, he he eventually tells someone that oh oh he tells Yaz. The reason there isn't more stuff in the lab is because I keep it all in my head. I, it, that's where I mm-hmm. do all my designing, which is actually one of the problems is Tesla did not keep enough in, re- in reality, didn't keep enough of his notes and designs and stuff in physical form for yeah. people to go back and historically look at it, which is uh, one of the reasons why he got kind of lost in history. I also thought one of the reasons his lab is so bare is because he has such trouble keep getting and keeping investors. Yes, that's right. true. Although it turns out that a Warden Cliff, his other place, has a lot more stuff in it too, which we'll yeah. we'll see later. Uh, the doctor then in, does another one of these speeches where she informs us the, how Tesla comes up with all the great ideas of the 20th century: X-rays, drones, alternating current. She's picked some interesting, uh, some interesting choices there. Uh, I mean, there are many more things, but and and all true, by the way, and more. He he comes up with more, and we and we get m- more of that mentioned. Um. And then uh, we ha- we we finally get this green orb brought out, and she recognizes it. It's the it's an orb of Thasser, not Tha. I wrote down Thassa, even though I'm from Boston. I still thought it was T H A S S A. Turns out it's T H A S S O R. It's just Jody Whittaker's accent. Well, I, she's no, got I, a non a non rotic accent, so she tends see, to I, drop I, I, thought it, I thought it was. FASA, F-A-S-A, which was the company that made the, the Battletech game systems. In d and even, I think, at one point. Yeah. I, I was split the difference between y'all. My first thought was that it was Thassa, which I, I thought, okay, it's like a truncated version of the ancient Greek word for lake or sea. <laughs> and then I thought, maybe she said FASA, like the gaming company. Yes. Yeah. This is uh, us struggling with the, uh, uh, still, with the Yorkshire accent and uh, there's still there was a line in this episode that Graham delivered that I just I don't remember exactly where it was, but I, had, I went over it a couple of times. And I still not sure what he said. So it's, it's this is going to be the thing every episode. 
Uh, it's, a good, it's a good thing that good pudding comes from Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, one of their best <laughs> exports. So, uh, sorry, folks. So the, the, I the, had to throw it in, sorry. Yes, yes. The orb of Thassar is sent out by one of the, an ancient race called the Thassar, who used them to spread their knowledge throughout the cosmos. They were a very generous people who didn't have patents or copyright. And, or prime directives. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and Tesla has one of these now. Um, and, but but the, the, the doctor says this one's been repurposed. Yes. And later it's going to turn out that the, the bad guys for this episode have repurposed it so that it's a spy orb. And yes. it's mm-hmm. been sent to Earth to find Tesla. Specifically. And, and that's yeah. why it starts behaving differently as soon as it saw him at the beginning of the episode. How it knew it was Tesla it was looking for, I'm not sure. But it's ultimately connected to the Mars signal he thought he got. Because right. he he got the Mars signal and then he responded back and that's what led to the orb being sent to find him. Right. Which seems very, I, if, I, how do you, I, out of, you know, a billion humans or whatever on Earth at the time, how do you know which one sent the message that you're trying to, to track? I mean, you can't, he didn't send a photo of himself. Right. Voice. So how does it identify him? And wouldn't it be simpler to just keep exchanging text messages with him and, and say, hey, let's meet somewhere? <laughs> I mean, that's how real people do it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Or just fo- follow the signal back to its origin and go there and, and grab the guy operating the thing. Yeah. Uh, so we have uh, this nice bonding moment between Tesla and the doctor over them both being inventors of sorts. Uh, and then that's interrupted when they see one of Thomas Edison's men uh, 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 spying on them through the window. Uh, poorly and so the doctor goes and confronts thomas edison who is a bad guy in this episode edison is mostly is mostly, mostly. yeah he's not the bad guy but you know he's the greedy uh guy who takes credit for other people's work and is always about making a buck and and uh, where tesla's is- virtuous in his Admittedly, a common accusation against Edison. I mean, he was a brilliant man in his own right, but he was much more brilliant at marketing than he was right. at inventing. Right. Which uh, the people consider about Steve Jobs, too. Steve Jobs was not an inventor. He was a, a marketer. And it's true. It's true. And, and, and so this is something that I was glad, and I've seen other people comment on, they were glad that even though Edison was played largely unsympathetically, he is not a complete villain right. in this episode. Right. Number one, he is not the bad guy. He is not the antagonist in this episode. He's um, just kind of a jerk. <laughs> he's just kind of a jerk. Number two, when uh, the the red-eyed space Hitler comes in and force lightnings everyone in his lab and kills them, Edison is genuinely concerned. about his employees and says, I had dinner with this man and his wife the other day. I'm going to have to tell his widow that he's dead. Um, And so he he shows compassion. He also, uh, in talking to Edison or in talking to Tesla later in the episode, he makes a point of the best invention either one of us has ever had is my lab, because what Mm -hmm. my lab does is it lets people it has people take their ideas and make them real mm-hmm. that's right. what's not happening so much with tesla and because he's not a good businessman and so edison's view is ideas and patents and things they're not exactly work made for hire but he's f- developed a system that allows him to effectively bring ideas into concrete mm-hmm. practical form it's that will actually benefit people and yeah. like it or not 
that model has worked and continues to work with big companies that innovate like Apple and so forth. Well, it, it's, um, it's really was kind of the 20 early 20th century version of Maker Fair. You know, the uh-huh. idea of, you know, some place uh, where people could come and invent yeah. things. Or startup incubators. Uh, that's another yeah, thing we yeah. have today in, in industry. Yeah. And then finally, at the end of the episode, after after they've gone through this traumatic experience together and Tesla has reaffirmed his value in Edison's eyes, Edison offers him a job yep. mm-hmm. and does so in order to save him from bankruptcy. Yeah. You know, and so all so even though Edison is largely unsympathetic, he is not a monster in this episode. And no. I like I like the fact they tried to portray him somewhat more nuancedly than they otherwise might have. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, we have mentioned here of the Warden Cliff project, which is, again, was a real thing. It was that thing that the, uh, the, 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 the place where the oatmeal, I was talking about the comic, uh, they bought it to build a, a test museum and it's jo- its aim was, uh, this wireless communications idea that Tesla had about having long distance wireless communication, uh, and power delivery. Uh, and, and, uh, again, this pr- somewhat predates Marconi. They were sort of simultaneously developing their ideas for radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this this was a, a different. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I'm not certain, but I'm pretty sure this was a different kind of technology with the same yeah. aim of communicating over long distance without wires. Um, I, I think Marconi, although they were kind of working on it about the same time, I think Marconi actually did beat him to the punch. Yes, he did actually he did. get his radio system working before Tesla could. Yes. Uh, then the red lightning guy shows up, the alien that uh, shows up at Edison's lab, like you mentioned, and kills everyone. Um, and uh, then we have another one who attacks a new one who attacks uh, the doctor and others in Edison's uh, lab. I mean, in Edison's office. And um, Ryan picks up the the Silurian laser gun and uh. wants to use it. And no guns, Ryan. <laughs> this guy's killing this is, everybody. <laughs> this is uh, so. Oh, I know we've commented on this before, but this gun fetish, this anti-gun fetish that the doctor has is really getting annoying. The mm. reason that guns keep showing up in every episode is they are very useful tools for defending right. yourself. Yep. And um, and that's the reason the British Army carries them. Right, you know, right. this the and but every time we have guns in an episode now, the doctor has to get her obligatory no guns line in mm-hmm. before they proceed then to undercut it because um uh uh Edison has yep. a revolver that he and uses he's a really to, good shot to, with, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and he uses it to dispatch space scores. Well he gets criticized for it too, uh, by Yaz. Briefly. She just yeah. says, where did you get that? And and he dodges her question and proceeds to keep shooting, which is what he should do. Right. They're under attack by evil space monsters. And 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 also Graham has a gun later in the episode, which they conveniently have failed to work because right. it's a space gun. And and so the utility of guns, it's like they've just got to get their obligatory virtue signal line in there about no guns, and then they undercut it. Right. And this is just bad writing. It's also mm-hmm. unrealistic. There is a reason people use guns, including the guns that keep the UK safe from foreign invasion. Right. And uh, and the the doctor also has no problem doing other things like she's been using bombs in recent episodes but they're not guns 
And right. it, it's just ridiculous. This is just terrible, bad writing. Uh, I understand well, the, the, the doctor the, the, wanting to maintain a peaceful solution ethic. Right. And that's fine. But when the chips are down, bring out the guns. Well, in, in, in the conclusion of this episode, she uses a basically a giant weapon against the bad guys. Right. right. She l- lightnings the thing. Right. It's not an anti-violence stance, which I which would. OK, if you wanted to take that, that would be that would be a choice. But it's just it's simply against this particular kind of technology that that produces violence as opposed to other kinds. And it's just yeah. I mean, the laser gun is not a it's a, it's a laser gun. It, it's just it's. It, how is that different from the other kind of weapons they use? Yeah, it's it's you're right. It's virtue signaling. And, and right now our, our British listeners are rolling their eyes. But <laughs> it, it's true, though. I mean, this is just they have decided this particular implement of of defense is bad, evil, yucky. Don't touch. We need to keep talking about everything right, else right. is fine. But this particular one is bad. OK, so uh, but to their credit, we don't get a lot of this in this episode that we kind of move on from here. And so then Yaz and Tesla examine the green ball and work out that it's scanning its surroundings. Uh, the doctor uses the chemistry in Edison's lab to tra- trap the creature briefly that's attacking them. And uh, then the two other red eye guys show up and they take Tesla and Yaz to the alien scorpion ship. We call that we, we, we're, we're told that it's called the Skithra uh, and they meet the queen, which at first I thought was the Rachnos queen. Yeah, she looks a lot like the Rachnos Queen. She's better than the Rachnos Queen, though. I like oh, the yes. Skithra better than the Rachnos. Um, she very similar makeup and everything, though. I mean, the the yeah. the, the the makeup mm-hmm. and the practical effects they put on her look very similar to Rachnos. Right, very similar, but um, but her performance is much better. Oh, she yes. is not oh, yes. over the top in the way the Rachnos Queen was, and yes. she's not got a mouthful of spit the whole time. um so so it was better i'm not uh, i found it distracting though why is the queen the only one who has a human-like face right right because they're supposed to be the same species yeah i mean you can't have sexual dimorphism in a species but it's a little odd that one of them has such a human face and the others don't yeah yeah i mean we could come up with hey canna but you're right it is it was a little weird um the, just to actually to take a moment to talk about the actors, uh, the actress who played the queen is uh, Anjali Mohindra. She was in mm-hmm. um, Sarah Jane Adventures this, and mm-hmm. and actually was in it with uh, uh, Bradley Walsh, who plays Graham, uh, he, where he was a bad guy in an episode and they worked <laughs> together. He did not recognize her in her makeup. <laughs> Because he only saw her in the makeup, and in fact, at one point, asked her for you know, to see a picture of her so that he'd recognize her on the street. And she goes, and she had to like, yo, Bradley, it's me. It's <laughs> we worked mm-hmm. together before, so that's that's a funny <laughs> thing. Uh, I should have mentioned that Thomas Edison is played by the actor Robert Glenister, who was in the yep. Caves of Androzani. So he has, yeah, he was a minor character in that. Yes, previous oh, wow. acting experience on Doctor well, Who. Since uh, we're talking about about actors, uh, Harold Green, which is one of the Red Lightning Bolt guys, was played mm-hmm. by Paul Casey who is all over Doctor Who, Sarah Jane Adventures, and Torchwood, but mostly under makeup. He's one of these character- right. people who plays like the uh, Jadoon. Matter of fact, he'll be the Jadoon leader in the next episode next week. Oh. Um, but he was also in Star Wars Episode 7, 8, and 9, and Rogue One, again, under costume. 
<laughs> this is one of those guys so you, just always plays in costume, right? Yep. He must he must not have a latex allergy. <laughs> exactly. Nope, apparently he not. has he has the ability to to be uh he doesn't it's not claustrophobic, put it that way. So uh the doctor now takes Edison and uh Scarrett on the TARDIS, uh Miss Scarrett on the TARDIS, and they realize that the orb is this bugging device, and uh Edison is you know, agog at the TARDIS, of course. And mm-hmm. uh we find out that the- and, and he's got a really offensive line in this scene about the, he, yeah he, he he talks he's talking to Graham and he says your accent is British right and, or English I forget which one he says and Graham confirms it and he says there's a country that has never understood business and really I weird just, like wanted to <laughs> bang my head yeah. on the desk I mean how ridiculously crudely offensive i think it's meant to be i think it's meant to play two functions because mm-hmm. if it, this will not be as apparent to an american audience but england has a reputation for doing business well historically yes and that's what the city is in london is right. the business district and you have the london school of economics which is very famous and if you know about economics, England and the UK more broadly has a reputation for being quite good at business. And so I think that this line is meant to portray Edison as kind of an arrogant figure mm-hmm. when the true who's who's I don't know exactly what, but who's misinformed in some way when, in fact, Britain has a very good sense for business. Yes. Um but it's still just such a lousy line, and it it. Well, it's, and of course you got America. Have the, I just want to assure our British listeners: Americans do not think of England this way, right? No, and it, it's of course it's it's meant to be the boorish American who thinks that America invented business and the world of business revolves around America, and and and. Right, right. Yeah, but I find it. I also think it's probably it's un, it's probably unfair to the historical Edison. Because yep. I don't, I don't think the historical Edison. I don't have any evidence that the historical Edison would have thought that way. Right, right. Uh, so then we find out that the reason the aliens were kidnapping Tesla is that they are scavenger, a scavenger species. They steal all their technology that they have from other species. They're space pirates of a sort, scorpion space pirates. They're and, the go old. <laughs> they're essentially yeah. the go old, and they they don't know how to fix their technology, and so they want Tesla who is a early 20th century American to yeah. fix their advanced alien technology. And, and this was okay. I initially, I was like, why do they want Tesla to fix their alien tech? That makes no sense. But then it turns out they don't know how their tech works. Right. So right. they don't know. They don't, and they are not going to, you know, they know that Tesla could communicate with them over interstellar distances. Let's go find that guy and see if he can work with this stuff. You know, that or interplanetary distances. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's some logic there. These aren't the smartest scorpions in the drawer. And, and so, perhaps they figure that he can figure it out. If he can, you know, do the, all the, the earthbound inventions that he's done, maybe he can figure out the, sp- the space stuff. It could yeah. be also that they're trapped in Earth, Earth, the solar space, system, you know, the solar yep. system that and he's the smartest person that they found because he communicated with them when all the others didn't. So yeah. he's the smartest person that they could find local. So he's going to mm-hmm. be the one. And they, and were, they this, were more concerned also, about their, their weaponry than yeah. they were like being able to travel. That's true. And this also gives us a very valuable lesson for uh, first contact protocols with aliens. When you get their signal, do not signal back. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Not until you're ready to defend yourself. Uh, I, I found it interesting, though, that 
At no point does the queen say, huh, this doctor lady seems to be a lot more knowledgeable about this technology than he is. I should she take don't. her instead. She stays well, focused on Tesla. Well, she she mentioned there's one point where the doctor starts talking about all about all this is, you know, Venusian ship with this, that and the other thing. And and she said, oh, I'll keep you, too. Basically, paraphrasing, yeah, but, you know, but, basically, but she's going to keep Edison as well. But even yes, they can get rid of. Yeah. But even later, like when she comes, when they escape and they come for they're coming for Tesla, not the doctor. You know what I mean? It's just it's still yeah. focused on Tesla, which is, you know, uh, it's fine. I mean, we we're telling a story here. That's that's OK. It's just I thought it was interesting. Um, that they, they could have Im- they could have improved it by e- by either not revealing how smart the doctor is compared mm-hmm. to Tesla or right. by having the queen show more interest in the doctor. Right. Right. So, as you mentioned, the doctor does show up using a, a transmat device um, it, that needs to recharge. It needs time to recharge before she can beam them back out again. And because of course it does. Because yep. of plot reasons. <laughs> right? yeah. And uh, just like something else later will be for plot reasons. And uh, so the doctor uh, realizes it all again. The tech is stolen. And uh, she then transports them back to Wardenclyffe altogether. Uh, the, this uh, Tesla's other lab, which actually mm-hmm. contains some very interesting things that that in the background, which they the stuff, even stuff they don't talk about is stuff from Tesla's real lab, like that big coil thing on the wall behind that big like wall size coil that was an actual thing from tesla's lab and some other stuff in there i thought that was fun mm-hmm. to, to see mm-hmm. um the skifra skithra give an ultimatum you either give us tesla or we'll you know ravage the earth it's the same high kill everybody kill everybody um the doctor looks at the upside uh hey it's recognition for tesla the aliens want him and not edison the, you know, so it's means you know yeah it means you must be the, the real inventor um, the, he explains, then we have this explanation for what Wardenclyffe is. It was this, uh, tower that's supposed to use the earth's magnetic field to send a signal and through the planet and create a wave. And instead they're going to use it to send a bolt, a bolt of lightning at the only ship. They're going to turn it into a, essentially a giant Tesla coil, which is fun. Yep. If you're ever in Boston at the museum of fine arts, we have a, uh, Tesla coil, uh, show there. That is a lot of fun to watch. They, you know, they they generate lightning in this big cage, and it's loud and fun. Mm-hmm. And and at this point, just to make Edison unsympathetic, he he has a line where he's got to diss this idea as crazy because it's Tesla's idea, even though it's just been endorsed by the lady with the magic flying box that you were just <laughs> exactly. inside. Right, right. Uh, then uh, the do- they explain why the aliens haven't just shown up and beamed in and and killed them all, or just beamed them back out again. That's because she's the doctor has extended the TARDIS shields over Wardenclyffe. All right, that's good. Yaz mm-hmm. and Edison are then sent to New York City to get everybody in New York City off the streets. This is great. I love this. <laughs> I, I like the fact that they, and lately on the show they've been doing this, they, they'll they divide up into teams to accomplish mm-hmm. specific things. Yes. So the doctor divides them up into, into teams to do their different things. She sends Yaz and uh, Edison into the city to get people off the streets for when they make the big lightning bolt. And Yaz is having trouble getting people to get off the streets. But Edison realizes the way to do it because he's been yep. whipping up all this anti-Tesla AC current stuff. And he says Tesla's doing something with uh, with his tower. And then he has a quip, a line that rhymes that will stick yep. in people's memory. We're as good as fried if we stay outside. 
And it's like <laughs> yeah. that clicks for people. It's like there's the Edison marketing genius. <laughs> <That's right>. Exactly. <laughs> and everybody goes inside. Uh, I have to point out that the uh, the director, or the producer, whoever does not really know New York. Uh, geography very well because yeah. like they like look over like one of the tenements and there's the tower that's in Shoreham, Long Island, like miles and miles away. Exactly, but it's, it's right there outside in in New well, York. Even City. even yeah. even mentioned about how the TARDIS, you know, Edison was marvelled that the TARDIS moved him from one side of New York to the other, which right. is a significant distance. <laughs> right, right. So uh, Ryan and Graham are sent to go through uh, uh, Tesla's lab to find stuff to help defend them against the uh the the aliens which they don't end, eventually actually find anything useful the well, Tesla's ray gun is, doesn't gun. work they find a space gun that the doctor strangely fails to condemn yes yes exactly uh then uh, that's when the scorpions show up uh a la avengers oh, scorpions these clearly are not <laughs> earth scorpions what a racist you are dom <laughs> sorry <laughs> alien scorpions with human faces uh, or, or pseudo human faces, they show up and start doing an Avengers Infinity War uh, on the shields. <laughs> uh, yeah. if, you, if you've seen that, and uh, then we're told we ha- here's the the big the big you know um, plot uh. MacGuffin technology moment. They can't power the tower and the shields at the same time, and there'll be a thirty second gap in which they'll be unprotected uh, while the tower fires Apparently its laser they, bolt. They needed Scotty to get more power out of the TARDIS. Yes, yeah. I mean, this is uh, like it, when I can't run my space heater and the washing machine at the same time. I have to only have one at a time. Yep. <laughs> this is like the TARDIS's power consumption needs must be really finely balanced. I mean, it can fly across space and time. It can shatter the space-time continuum. It's larger on the inside than the outside, but it can't both maintain shields and do a lightning bolt. I mean, a relatively simple job like a lightning bolt. <laughs> amount of amps that it shows on on a tesla's gauge there and they're talking you know 20 40 60 80 amps which for a household is a lot of electric a lot of power yeah mm-hmm. for like a typical warehouse for, or something like that not so much 80 really amps not is a not lot a lot of power <laughs> for a cosmos spanning time machine it's like that should be like I'm plugging thinking in it's your, got more power. That, that should be like <laughs> plugging your cell phone into your wall outlet. You know, I mean, it's yeah. not a big deal. The doctor's electric toothbrush. So uh, <laughs> I, I thought what you were going to say. And yeah, I thought that was implausible. But I thought the big plot hole you were going to point out is the we have a critical failure point plot where if you take out the queen, it solves everything. Because right. the doctor the says they the doctor says they they're hive species. So if we take out the queen, we take them all out. And it's like, have you ever dealt with ants, right, or bees? You take yeah. out the queen, they make a new one. <laughs> exactly. like, you don't get you rid of the, the hive. They they don't all die. All and they yeah. certainly don't all die instantly. Right. They, well, they even, what, what you have is undirected uh, alien uh, warriors running amok <laughs> on Earth, and mad, which would be and worse mad at you because you just killed their queen. Right, right. Well, and then apparently uh, the the queen re- uh, figures out the 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 plot hole in the doctor's plan because if she comes down from the ship, you can't shooting the ship doesn't get rid of them. No. Uh, so uh, she the queen shows up at the door, and the doctor, um, the doctor confronts the, doctor, the queen. Yeah, says, she, "I gave you a chance, and now you've had your chance. Now I'm going to kill you." Essentially. Yep. I gave you a chance oh, to change your mind. You're not going to change your mind. So now you're, you're you 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 reap whatever you've sown, and you're, you know if you die, it's you, it's your fault. 
Yeah, she doesn't say kill. Right. Um, what she then does is trick the queen into holding an object, which she then uses the sonic screwdriver on to teleport the queen back to well, her own ship. It's the same so they can, transmat device that yeah, she had before. So the, yeah. Yep. So it, it looked different to me. There were two different transmat devices there was, in this. There was a thing she wore on her wrist and then the, the battery thing that she was holding. Right. So okay. there's a bracelet. Yeah, yeah the it queen was holding the bracelet. In, in any event, the, yeah. the point is she teleports the queen back up to her ship and they can then lightning the ship using the big tower. And for some reason, um, all of the other alien scorpion beings teleport back up there with her. Right. Apparently involuntarily because they're all screaming on the ship. Right. And this makes no sense. No. You know, you teleport one being, why do all, as everyone else, teleport up two? Um, and then they lightning the ship. And instead of exploding, which a lot of people seem to have thought happened, because I've seen commentators commenting that the doctor basically killed all of them. Right. And based on the setup, you think that's exactly what's going to happen. Right. They're going to lightning bolt the ship and take out the queen. Instead, you watch the special effects carefully. And it's like a bad G.I. Joe episode from the 80s where instead of exploding, the alien ship zooms off into space really right. fast and just leaves. Right. Which, is, again, makes even less sense. And also, why aren't they going to come back tomorrow? Yes. You know, none of this makes any sense. It's all avoiding the doctor killing somebody for right. no good reason. Right. Right. It it's it is all designed to just have the doctor have a peaceful resolution to it. But you're right. It doesn't make any sense. Why does why does the lightning bolt make the ship fly away? It the, the, there's no explanation. Yeah. Why yeah, why it does none of it makes any sense in that that all that resolution, but we just have to kind of accept it that it it you know the bad guys are gone. Which is unsatisfying, but you mm-hmm. know. So uh we end up with as you mentioned earlier, Edison offering Tesla a job and telling him he'll be bankrupt if he keeps working on the tower. But Tesla is, is a pure uh, inventor. Yeah. And uh, Yaz is sad that no one knows anything about Tesla in the future. But, you know, the fact is people do know about Tesla. But OK, it's, that's yeah. fine. She didn't know about Tesla. So mm-hmm. that, that's not everybody. Trust me, loads of conspiracy theorists know about Tesla. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I was left with the question, especially given what happened in Spyfall, is why the doctor doesn't mind wipe Tesla and Edison. Yes. So I wasn't going to comment on that. I was going to let it slide. <laughs> I was hoping to leave that one alone, too, admittedly. But, but I, as I pointed out at the in our Spyfall review, this this creates a precedent of the doctor casually mind wiping historical figures to, right. to 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 avoid contaminating the timeline. That should if if she needed to do it for for two people like like uh, uh, the one she did for in Spyfall. Yeah she would definitely need to do it for yeah. Edison and Tesla who had right. much more practical ability. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the people she mind wiped was just a spy who was going to die within a year anyway. Yeah. Right. And so there's no need to mind wipe her. And then the other, um, Ada, Ada Lovelace, Lovelace. Yeah. Uh, she, she was, she like wrote the first computer program, but computers were so primitive in her day that letting her see a cell phone, she had no chance of, practically duplicating that or anything close to it well and, so and, and, you really and Ida, didn't it, need to yeah, mind Ida, wipe her either Ada and Noor are historically very insignificant except in certain 
points. You know, right. eight again, like as I talked about uh, in my little review of Spyfall, was you know as a computer programmer, she's very well known and quite famous actually. But outside of the computer programming realm, not so much. Nor, of course, knowing the history of British spycraft in at the time of World War II is famous. But outside of that, I'd never heard of her until that episode. Yeah, so neither one of them had a, pr- a practical ability to do much with the knowledge they acquired about the future. But Tesla and Edison are in a different yeah. league, and they're both broad spectrum inventors, and right. and they could extrapolate considerably more from what Which they, they even, saw just yeah. in the TARDIS. And they yeah. even make a point of of Edison looking at uh, acquisitively at the TARDIS. You know, they made they brought it up that he was looking at it for for inventions. Yeah. So so I I I noticed uh, a commenter on YouTube brought this up. It's like, wait, didn't we just establish we need to mind white people? And even the Radio Times in in London or in England devoted two paragraphs to this problem. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, I was going to let it slide, but that was a real writing mistake back in Spyfall because it created a precedent that you're now going to have to ignore. The doctor should only mind white people when there are very clearly established reasons why it's necessary. Right. Like Donna. Like Donna. Yes. All right. And then um, one last bit of uh, thing. My wife, uh, Melanie, was watching it with me. She came up with an interesting point. She said something about the way the doctor talks to people, the the 12th doctor, the 13th doctor talks to people that kind of gets under her skin is Mm. when she lectures, she sounds scolding. But when but when, say, Matt Smith or David Tennant's doctor confronted the bad guys, they didn't scold as much. They called them to be better. It's one of the things that she feels like there's a, like, and, mm-hmm. and a, it's an interesting perspective that they were calling them to be, to live up to a better standard of excellence in themselves, that whatever aliens they were encountering that were doing bad things. I think of like famously like the Vasha Narada, who were a, a, a force of nature, you know, the, 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 the uh, 10th doctor, you know, did not scold them per se, but just w- was reasoning with them uh, mostly. Whereas the, the, this doctor just feels like she scolds a lot. Is it, is hmm. it, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that, it, but if, what's that? I said, I don't know if I quite noticed that. Uh, one thing I, I noticed is she doesn't have quite the bluster as the 10th and 11th doctor. And right. that's a good thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah. the, tw- or the 12th. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the time 12th. Lord triumphant to time Lord victorious striding across yeah. the cosmos. I'm glad that this doctor is does not have I that. I that is actually quite noticed the feature. scolding, but you know that's yeah. not out of character for the doctor either, though, because I'm sure we could go back through Classic Who and find plenty of doctors that were more than happy to scold, like the first. <laughs> yes, he was. He was much more of a scold than this one, and that might be a, a consequence of only of Melanie has only seen uh, New Who versus the the full range of the Doctor. Even so, though, and I'll I'll be looking for it to see if I it it. it I, I intuitively, I think there there may be, you know, it, there may be truth to that, but I would want to verify to see if my impression is accurate. Um, but if even if it is accurate and even if previous doctors have been scoldy, that doesn't mean it's a desirable characteristic for your protagonist. Right. Right. No. This is true. This is true. So uh, so that's uh, Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Uh, I do want to uh, have uh, have a share some feedback as well. Uh Jimmy, you mentioned you had uh, alerted us to a video review of oh. Orphan 55. 
that yes. you quite liked. Yeah, so there's a there's a, a YouTube channel called Sycorax Rock, and um, Sycorax Rock is a guy who, among other things, does music videos. He's got a really awesome series called Thirteen Songs for Thirteen Doctors, which mm. he's in the middle of producing and needs to finish because he's doing such great work. Um, but he also uh, does reviews on his channel, and he decided for once to do a musical review. Uh, so he did Orphan 55 using the tune Mambo Number no. 5. <laughs> and and it's 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 quite clever. It's very well done. He really knows his Doctor Who history. I mean, he's got deep Doctor Who history. He points out and this is something that I hadn't remembered until a bit after the episode. Uh, but um, one of the things he points out is we've actually seen it before where the doctor realizes we're on Earth in a subway mm -hmm. because that happens in uh, the Colin Baker episode, Mysterious Planet. And right. also um, there's an episode of uh, the Sylvester McCoy's doctor. Uh, with his classic companion Ace, it's uh, the Curse of Fenris, where they battle mutated monster humans from the future uh, mm -hmm. in a base under siege story. And okay. he weaves this stuff really nicely into into some very clever lyrics. Like he's talking about initially he's listing the characters uh, who are in the story and what they do. So. Uh, a little bit of Bella, she's the bomb. A little bit of Kane, she's Bella's mom. <laughs> a little bit of Silas, fix the hose. This episode's a little bit on the nose. <laughs> and now that's stuck in your head. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And 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 then you know later she's uh, he's singing about. Um, the moralizing coda's out of place. This episode already made its case. <laughs> yep. Siege base woke case. Picture it with McCoy and Ace. <laughs> and, it's just, and he had all of this done by Thursday when yes. he aired it on Sunday. Yeah. So uh, I, I, you know, I have to say he does occasionally use a word that I wish he didn't. But um, he's really clever, really inventive, and he really deserves more YouTube views. Um, so we'll have a link to his or Orphan 55 review. Uh, and uh, as with any YouTube channel, if you like what he's doing, like and subscribe. Yes. And and should probably mention, too, that his name comes from the, the first uh, David Tennant Christmas special where the, you know, Sycorax were chanting and then the TARDIS translation comes in and it's Sycorax Rock. Sycorax Rock. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Another uh, alien spaceship hovering over uh, an Earth city. Yep. So we have other feedback from Orphan 55. I just want to mention some of it. John Scrivo sent in an email. He says, uh, please allow me the chance to vent about Orphan 55. I won't read all of it. Uh, he he gets in some science detail, <laughs> but he says it was a long 45 minute episode. And uh, yes. for an episode about global warming, all the science in it was nonsensical. Um, he said he named a few things. But one of the things he says, I love how the doctor's in the tunnel and can't breathe because there's no oxygen. And yet there's a large fire burning in the background, which is I thought was funny. Um, I also think we maybe need to. It was an acetylene fire. Yeah, maybe it go. was. Maybe mm -hmm. it was. Uh, he says, I think we need a break from Earth centered episodes. Do you think I went back and looked over the last few seasons uh, and there was there was like actually a couple of times when there were more Earth centered episodes than we have had with the doctor last season. Um, so it's not I don't think they're doing more Earth centered, but the first four episodes of this this season have all been on Earth, and uh, we, we, as we saw in the preview, so will the next episode be set on mm. Earth. Do we 
is this how do you feel about this? Do you want more we're stuff away from her? The, we're stuck in the third doctor's time all over again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it, it's an itch. I, I kind of like the balance. I like having stuff in the past, historical. I love stuff in the contemporary on Earth. And then I like having stuff which is future or present or past in space on alien planets. Uh, but I think that's one of the things that makes Doctor Who great. I, I would like to see more in this season away from Earth. I, I would agree with that. And yeah, um, I don't know what, obviously we don't know what the, the future plans are because they're, they're very reticent to release any information until, you know, immediately before, like two weeks before when it has to go into the TV guide or radio times. But right. Um, it would be nice to see, you know, cause kind of like the nice balance is when they have an earth episode or two and then they go somewhere else and then they come back, you know, and you've got that back and forth where they're, they're going into space or going into time and then they come back to earth. Yes. It is nice to have that balance. Uh, I will say again, once again, uh, following Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, I want hi historicals without aliens. I want to have a pure historical yes. at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if I'll ever get it, but that's what I want. Uh, his He says in a final... spinoff media, you will. Yes, yes. Oh, and in case anyone wonders, Nikola Tesla has appeared in the Hooniverse in spinoff media, including novels and um, uh, Big Finish. Yes. And uh, has even met the doctor, apparently, because the sixth doctor and ace had an adventure with him, although we haven't heard that adventure. They oh. just referred to it. Interesting. Uh, so it seems, and then he, uh, John's uh, final point says, um, do you think the current format makes it hard to have three companions? It seems like it's hard for them to find enough for all three companions to do in an episode. I, I, I kind of would agree with that only because of the 10 episodes per season. Yeah. At least in classic Who, when they had that many companions, they had a long season to flesh out yeah. the characters. And then a companion could be, you know, knocked out in the TARDIS for uh, one one for uh, episode, episode yeah. one story. Yeah, <laughs> take a break. Uh, I, I don't uh, personally. I don't think it's a problem. Um, I think you can shuffle around the duties to give everybody enough to do to justify their presence. It may not be in every single episode, but if there, if it's if people are coming across as weak characters because they're not having enough attention paid to them, I think that's a flaw in the writing. I don't think it's a flaw in the structure. Okay. Uh, Ted Covell, uh, writes, uh, on Facebook, I watched this episode, uh, Orphan 55 last night. And I kept thinking, Jimmy's going to hate this episode. I can't wait to listen to the podcast. But Jimmy, you didn't hate the episode I, I, altogether. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I thought a lot of it was mostly harmless. What I hated was the moralizing coda that was out of place. Right. Absolutely. Right. I think we all agree with that. Yep. Uh, Jason Thayer writes, uh, OK, you guys, he says, I have a challenge for you. When you review Remembrance of the Daleks, I want you to be annoyed by the scene where the restaurant owner lectures the viewers about racism and all the talk about segregation. I want you to not even care about how cool Ace is when she blows stuff up. When you review The Green Death, get all annoyed by the environmental themes. Don't talk about how sad it is that Joe is leaving and how well part we act in the final scene. Be consistent, please. Um, we, we actually have already talked about The Green Death, but uh, what, yeah. what say you guys? Father, you well, first. Well, I'll say, you know, with, with, with the Daleks is, yeah, I, I remember as a kid watching that episode. And that was back when that episode first came out, really. I mean, within a year or so after that episode came out, it came over to my PBS station. And I remember kind of looking at that episode going, this is really out. Of, you know, now, Dom, you haven't seen it yet. Yep. Uh, but there's just a brief scene. It's like maybe five minutes in the middle of the episode, mid middle of the story, where the doctor's in a little, you know, coffee shop, little cafe. And there's this, uh, uh, gentleman from like jamaica or something like that 
um, right. somewhere in, somewhere in, in this in side the of Caribbean. the Caribbean. Yep, the Caribbean, and kind of stereotypical Caribbean, and it it really is talking about racism, and and it it is it is out of place. And I, I guarantee you, when we get to that episode, yes, Jason, we will criticize it <laughs> because it because well, I remember as a kid just looking at going, what does this have to do with anything? I mean, it, it really is other than the issue of the two different Daleks fighting against each other, okay. but it still is really out of place. So, yeah, I, I, I agree that, that we will criticize that part. Jimmy, I so let's we have done the Green Death and the Green Death does have an environmental political message. And I don't have a problem with that in principle. I don't even have to agree with the message to not have a problem with it. Um, I don't buy the scenario that Soylent Green proposes, but Soylent Green is a great movie. Um, right. You know, I, I don't I don't buy the environmental message in the Omega Man, but that doesn't stop me from being able to appreciate the Omega Man. Um, cautionary tales are fine in science fiction, even if I think the odds of a particular cautionary scenario coming to pass are very low. Um, what I mind is heavy handed writing. And that's what we got at the end of Orphan 55. That was really what ruined that for me. If, if it had not been for the end, it would have been, OK, here's this environmental nuclear war themed episode. It's right. fine. It's just one post-apocalyptic scenario. And, yeah, we need to watch out and make sure we don't get into a post-apocalypse scenario. Fine. Right. Um, but it's the just the heavy handed fourth, literally fourth wall breaking at the mm -hmm. end where they're showing the audience stuff. They are not showing the characters to make their point. And um, so in in remember, so I didn't the uh, the Green Death didn't do that. Right. And so I didn't have a, the same kind of problem with the Green Death when we uh, when we rewatch Remembrance of the Daleks. Now, it does have a kind of uh, first of all, Ace is totally cool. <laughs> and oh, yeah. not not just when she blows stuff up. I love the scene where she beats up a Dalek with a baseball bat. That with is an overpowered awesome. baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I'll have to look at it again when I see it again. And I remember the scene in the cafe. I don't remember it being as heavy handed as Orphan 55. No, it's still not. It also it also may tie into broader theme. I think it does tie into broader themes in the episode, because one of the things in Remembrance of the Daleks is there is a kind of neo-Nazi movement that the episode deals with. And mm -hmm. so and it's also set in 1963. Yep. And um, I'm a little bit hesitant, more hesitant to weigh in on this kind of situation because I was not alive in Britain in 1963. I wasn't alive anywhere in 1963. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what the culture was like from firsthand experience. I and I, I try to resist the um, the advice of Steve Martin's grandmother's song, criticize things you don't know about. So, you know, I know <laughs> there was racism in the United States in 1963 and it could have been, a, and I would assume, was a bigger issue in Britain in 1963 than it is in 2020. Um, right. So I, you know, am going to try to be more nuanced in my approach to that. What I do mind, though, is heavy handed writing. And if I don't remember yeah. that scene breaking the fourth wall, but if it did or even if it came close to breaking the fourth wall, I would say they should have they should have toned the writing down. Uh, they yeah. should have been more subtle about what they were doing. Maybe all you need is your neo-Nazi movement. Right. You don't need this scene in the cafe to put the cherry on the Sunday. 
And, yeah. and I, I will say too, you know, we're we're about to record an, an episode of Secret Star Trek that's going to come out months from now because it's going to be after the Picard series. But it's of a of a movie that I think we all enjoy, the three of us enjoy, but it has a environmental message as the base plot of the movie. Right. Yeah. But and we still enjoy it. Well, I think we will criticize it for that because it's not again not heavy handed. And this is the key, this is the key and Jimmy you you uh, you touched on it which is it's not so much the message that's the problem or whether we agree with it or don't. And this was not just Orphan 55 but other episodes last season we criticized a lot. It's the way that it's done. It's heavy, right. if it's heavy handed, if it breaks the fourth wall, yeah. if it's un if it's over the top in uh, like like our criticism in this episode of the doctor's attitude toward the gun, it's it's not consistent. Right. It, it, or if it's the same message all the stinking time, right? Right, right. It gets annoying. Yes. Well, so, and, and, and like I like I uh, said with Orphan Fifty Five, it's that's one of my criticisms against a lot of Christian fiction is I can agree with the message. I can agree with the message of the preaching in that book, but, but, the, but the way they do it is always <laughs> so heavy handed. Right. Right. Even with stuff I agree with, if it's heavy handed, breaks the fourth wall. I yeah, it, it, it that's what we don't like. All right. So uh, I think that's enough said about that for now. And probably for a while, we probably don't have to get back into that again unless there's a, a really good reason to. But uh, I thought I thought it was good to have that discussion now uh, as mm-hmm. we begin this season again. No, that's good. So and uh, by the way, we we appreciate the uh, the, the feedback. And, yes. Uh, yes know, absolutely. Challenging us in feedback, totally fine. It creates more opportunities for good discussion and interaction. Yep, that's right. That's I mean, that's why we're here. We're talking about deeper themes and hidden layers, and that's part of it. All right, so we do want to wrap things up by taking a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Secrets of Doctor Who, including Derek B., John N., Jennifer P., Mark S., and Justin R. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest, you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Uh, that's it from us. What did you think of Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or by sending us an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing Fugitive of the Jadoon. No frobocho wocho. Until then, I didn't kill my wife. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> we're gonna do the Jadoon checking every outhouse and house and field house, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Until then, Father Corey Steakin, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Glad to be here. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember. High-speed inventing is one of my specialisms. Right. This is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs>